0: eBay Motors has it, and with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Sunday, October 25th. And today we are running the second part of our two-part interview with Kara Golden. She is the founder and CEO of Hint Water. And interestingly enough, Hint Water remains a private company. Why is that? We want to know. Here's the rest of our interview with Kara Golden. So you got 150 million in sales or maybe more. And so you got this great company. Why are you still private? Why don't you sell it and move on?
1: You know, I think for for me, it's really, it was always about health and it was always about building a brand that would really help consumers to get healthy. When people ask me, what's it like running a beverage company? Yes, we are a beverage company, but we're also really an arm in my mind to consumers to really help them get healthy. And, you know, we've talked to people over the years and I think the, the biggest issue, again, going back to the original conversation around the beverage industry, unfortunately, you know, the beverage industry is very tied to some core products that they have that maybe are sitting on the the front door. And Mm. so I think that the concept of water, yes, it's definitely in the right direction, but it's hard to turn large cruise ships, right? I mean, you have to, I think, just embracing. But in the meantime, I think that You know, we've now built a business that is truly unique. I mean, 55% of our business is direct to consumer. So you can go on our website um, to order the product, which is another thing that we talk about in the book that I had walls in the industry in how I distribute the product. Because, you know, so many of these retail grocery stores that are out there, what I had no idea until I actually tried to get my product on the shelf, they're basically owned by these large food and beverage companies. And Mm. so, you know, for a small company that is just trying to do better for the consumer, I mean, their chances of actually getting on the shelf and particularly for beverage companies is very slim. I mean, it's just, it is so hard. I mean, and so what I realized is that we would continue to grow that business. But if we could get direct to the consumer and have that relationship, then, you know, the consumer ultimately wouldn't lose out.
0: So how many employees do you have now?
1: A little over 200.
0: And each employee does have ownership in the company. You seem to be very interested in keeping everyone on the team and motivated I mean, you don't come from a real management background yourself. In fact, I think in the book you wrote, you had like really zero interest in this, but yet you're managing a company. How is that for you?
1: What I really, really love is making sure that people feel like they're part of something. And so, it I mean, it's a culture that we've created too. Not only do people have ownership, but it's also they have passion. I mean, I always talk about passion really trumps experience in my View Because if people feel like they are working with a company, a product that they believe in, that they drink, that is actually headed towards something, a mission that they really believe in, that that is so, so key. So, you know, for me, I think. It's been about hiring, we've definitely hired great managers in, but I think for me it's it's really staying focused on the mission and staying focused on the consumer is really the area that I've loved the most. And you look at history, I mean, Steve Jobs talked a lot about this as well. I mean, you know, I would say that there's tons of great founders and leaders that are out there that own the fact that managing people and and kind of the day-to-day of that is not necessarily what they love to do there's other leaders that talk about like that is what they love to do it's typically they're not typically founders and visionaries and idea people though
0: i think people would be interested to learn that you write in the book money has never been a big motivator for me and yet you know here you are so successful and as my mother likes to say richer poor it's nice to have money so while it's not the only motivator can you talk about what you you know it's very hard you have this private company you're making money obviously how do you set goals that are non-monetary and and how do you measure your success?
1: It's really happiness more than more than anything else. I mean, I think it's it's uh does money, if you don't have money, does that cause stress? A thousand percent. But I think the key thing is is that the most unhappy people, I believe, today, are the people that have so much money that they just don't know what to do with it. For me, being able to engage with audiences, whether that's nonprofits or ultimately employees or you know, being able to really kind of make sure that you're lifting people in lots of different directions, that to me is truly happiness. I live in, in an area in Silicon Valley where clearly there's a ton of wealth But I think that the challenge for so many people is actually figuring out how much do you really need? And if you can actually be doing something that you feel like is helping people and actually brings people happiness. I mean, today, you know, I I really look at in particular since March and this pandemic, the number one thing that everybody I know talks about is health, right? Like they're all trying to stay healthy. And I think it's, it is something that it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter where you live. Everybody is trying to stay healthy. And so I think that that also just shows you that if you can stay healthy, that's happiness, right? And, mm-hmm. and so I think that that is the most important thing. Do you need money in order to have a great place to live and neighborhood and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Do you need lots to have too much in your closet? Probably not.
0: Right. I mean, I actually I put this in my own book. I wrote a personal finance book. that's my background, you know, and um I cited this study, which really does start to quantify like how much money do you need? you know, once you once you have shelter and food and you can kind of pay your bills, like what is the actual magic number that you need for happiness? And you know, there's a sliding scale, depends where you live. but I think it would shock people to know that the more you have does not make you happier. It's just like, you know, your parents probably told you money doesn't buy happiness. Mark and I have this theory about why we're so happy doing what we do. It's a bit about control, meaning that control over your life and your work life. Um, You call yourself an accidental entrepreneur. I imagine that that also may have something to do with it. You worked in big companies and you worked in some smaller companies, but that you are now controlling your own destiny. That's got to play a role in someone who is creative like you are And also, who wants to try to figure out how to balance her life out a bit, eh?
1: Definitely. I mean, I think also when I started this company, I had four kids under the age of six. I mean, it was. That is daunting, right?
0: Girl, you are crazy.
1: Crazy, right? And uh, now three in college, I mean, and one in high school. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely nuts. But yeah, I mean, I think for me, I didn't start this company thinking, okay, I better go work for myself or start my own thing so that I'll have more flexibility, but I look back on it and think- all of the things that I was able to do just by owning my own destiny, including still able to go to mommy and me classes at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. And then of course I would come back on after dinner to sort of work, right? Like I would I had a flexible schedule that nobody was questioning because I was continuing to make progress. But clearly I think that is easier when you're running your own company you need to have an idea and be able to do that in order to be able to make that happen but i think so often people just stop and sit here and say oh i've got kids at home there's no way that i can actually go start a company hopefully they'll they'll see that although i'm a little crazy it is possible to start a company you know with four kids under the age of 6 and you know continue to progress i also think that the concept of speed that I had these kids at home. So I was willing to maybe take a little longer in order to get things done. What, what was the rush to actually go? And I kept saying to, to myself and to others when there were crazy deals in front of me that some of the retailers wanted, you know, we walked away from those deals and we figured, okay, well, we're just not going to get into a large chain right now we're just going to wait it out. That's the thing too that so many people feel like, oh, if I don't get into, you know, a target right now, then I'm done. I'm never going to be able to get bigger. And so that's another thing I talk about in the book too that I'm like, you know, not necessarily. Sometimes standing mm-hmm. on the sidelines this is in personal life too, like sometimes just telling people no is actually A really good thing.
0: And also you can like hold your ground a little bit and say, yeah, you know what, it's not right for me right now. And that I think is a huge, huge understated ability, which is to not necessarily jump at the first offer, the second offer, or even just like a deal that doesn't quite feel right. To you now. You mentioned that you started this with your husband. Is he still in the business with you, or does he do something else? Like, what's his what's his spiel?
1: So when I moved to New York, I met him actually in a bar. My kids still laugh about this that you actually can meet uh, your future husband in a bar. We've been married 25 years now and work together. And so he joined me. He was an intellectual property Silicon Valley lawyer um, and Mm -hmm. had actually taken a little break and ended up running a medical information company. And when he saw what I was doing by creating, you know, this water that he knew had helped me so much, he really saw that what I was doing was really, frankly, what he was trying to do with this medical information company. And he's also the son of a doctor and, you know, had seen the frustrations that his dad had just in trying to get people to stay healthy. And he would never know whether or not they really did what he said or took the medicine. Ultimately, he saw that just with a simple bottle of water that we might be able to change health. And so he said to me, listen... I think it's a great idea. In addition, you are writing fifty thousand dollars checks off our personal bank account, which makes me incredibly nervous. So, and, <laughs> and you're pregnant with our fourth child. You know, I want to support you, and you know, at least carry the cases into Whole Foods. So he hopped on board and you know helped me. And he also wouldn't have been able to articulate this. I mean, he he was so frustrated with being a lawyer primarily mm-hmm. because he felt like. He was uh, having to keep track of timesheets. He hated the timesheets aspect of it. He really saw that there was just this like world out there that he just thought was so corrupt. He just couldn't believe, like you know, that the real estate that's owned in these retail stores that we couldn't actually get access to to get our product on the shelf, and so. He, he really just kind of joined, maybe even to save a little bit money, of money for the company to make sure that he was free labor for a few years. And uh, and then, you know, he just he just liked it. I mean, he liked working with me. We never, like said, one day the two of us are going to go start a company together. But we're very different people and very different skill sets. And I again, I think it's always easier to look in the rear view mirror on this stuff that, people have often at different points along the way said, oh gosh, like, you know, I could never work with my husband. Like, I can't believe you guys work together. And it doesn't work for everybody. But what I do believe, if you've got a, company, and you've got a family that you're raising, there was never any question about what our priorities were, right? And so if at times, you know, one of us needed to be with the kids, or, you know, the other person needed to cover a meeting, it was just easy. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, gosh, you know, she's off all the time. I see this with two people graduating from business school together that decide to go do a company. I mean, I to me, it's almost scarier, because they also have their own families, potentially, Mm. or maybe one has a family and then the other, you know, hasn't started a family and there starts to be this, you know, angst that goes on between the two of them. I think for us, it really worked. And again, very different skill sets.
0: You're the CEO. You're the decider, Kara. You're the one. I love that. I'm the CEO. He's the chief operating officer. And that's how we're rolling. I like that. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, you know, and I think at the end of the day, you know, again, every employee has ownership in this company. So I think for us, it's really, yes, I am the CEO and I guess the buck stops here, but it's also, you know, important to recognize that we don't get caught up in that either. I think everybody's opinion is really valued.
0: Well, thanks so much for listening this weekend. As always, we want to thank our guest, Kara Golden. We want to remind you our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Telercio is our executive producer. We are distributed by Cadence 13. I know it's Sunday and you're probably out and about. Don't forget to wash your hands, to wear your masks, to maintain your physical distancing and try to do something nice for someone else today. We'll talk to you tomorrow.